Claws the eyes and pull like a dog. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam Maguire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor Kieran McCarthy. On today's podcast we'll be joined by Skibbereen man Gordon Crowley to discuss stats and their place within the GAA. Gordon has been involved in statistical analysis for Galway County sides for the past decade, playing a part in four All-Ireland minor wins and under-21 victory, as well as being part of Anthony Cunningham's backroom team when the county reached the senior final in 2012. But first, Kieran, the GAA announced yesterday that the 2020 Inter-County Championships in hurling and football are highly unlikely to begin before the month of July. This news is not unexpected, but it still really brings home the reality that we may be facing into a summer without any GAA action at club or county level. I think that's becoming more and more of a reality, Jack, that we mightn't get any GAA this season at all. And like we're talking July at the earliest, which is ten weeks away. But with anything, it's kind of it's a watching brief because we don't know what's happening from week to week. So um, the hope is that there will be GAA, but it won't be the way that we've known. GA for the last couple of years, you know, kind of they talked about behind closed door games. Um because if you think about the restrictions on large gatherings at the moment, how can you hold an intercounty game? You can't have ten, twelve thousand people in a stadium together. Um I can't see how that's possible this year. Kind of think of a all Ireland final with eighty two thousand in Croke Park. That that won't happen this year. So um I know they talked about social distancing, about reducing the number of spectators at games, but I still I don't see that happening either. So if it does go ahead, will it be behind closed doors? I don't know because well, I don't even, know that even with um, behind closed doors, it, even with behind closed doors, there's no way social distancing can be adhered to. When you think about the size of intercounty panels and backroom teams, like you're talking about at least thirty players, all coming from different households in the most part then you've got the manager his two to three selectors physios doctors statsmen um, nutritionists uh, sports psychologists all sorts of members of a backroom team so you're talking at least 50 realistically from each side and then you have a referee and his two assistants a fourth official two, four umpires um, order of Malta ambulance service like you're upwards of 100 to 200 people just for one game so if Unless governments, unless the government kind of um, relieve some of the restrictions or revisit what social distancing actually means, it's just not a runner unless something drastically changes. Like I know they're talking in France of maybe relieving some of the restrictions in May, maybe opening some businesses, some non-essential businesses. So unless that's a success in the likes of France or Germany where they're talking about similar actions, it's it's really hard to see anything happening here it is you're dead right Jack um, like I said we just have to see how the next couple of weeks unfold and we get to the to May 5th here in Ireland and see what the government decides to do then in terms of restrictions and where we go from here but this concept of playing GA games behind closed doors and sport in general behind closed doors I just don't think it works because you need the fans there um, let's say it's, it's a club game for just for example if it's a 
um, Castlehaven against Carberry Rangers senior football game and if that went ahead behind closed doors it's, it's not the same it's the fans that make it it's the atmosphere it's the whole experience it's the build up to the game um, it just wouldn't be the same so I wouldn't be a fan of behind closed doors um, like for, for reasons you've mentioned there how we would work with social distancing it kind of seems it seems hard to kind of figure out as well so um, a lot of questions at the moment we might get the answers over, over the next couple of months but I think we're, we're starting to face up to the reality now that if if sport returns and if the GA returns it will be late and deep into the summer and to be honest Jack I think that um, club should come back before county because I think you can manage club games a lot easier than you can manage inter-county games in terms of at- attendance and, and crowds alone and as well as that county players are club players anyway so if the club team comes back first um, all players will, will, will get a chance to play I think if the GA kind of prioritised inter-county game ahead of the club scene, I think that's a big mistake because um, all the club players deserve the chance to play the game. And if you see how important roles that clubs have played during this whole kind of pandemic at the moment, your GA clubs helping out the local communities and so on. So it shows again that GA clubs are at the heart of, of nearly every community in, in Ireland. So um, if there is going to be GA this year, you'd hope it would be clubs first money talks and there's big sponsorship deals here and that's the one worry concern that the GA um, hierarchy will will prioritise inter-county over club which I think is a mistake Just to touch on one sport or semi-sport that has been running behind closed doors and that is world wrestling entertainment professional wrestling in the United States and interestingly where most wrestlers are based in the United States is Florida and the governor of Florida has redrawn the list of businesses that are deemed essential and somehow wrestling was put onto that list because as you say money talks and the world wrestling entertainment obviously pump a lot of money into the state of Florida but they ran their marquee event of the year Wrestlemania uh, two weekends ago two weekends ago so Wrestlemania is their equivalent of the Super Bowl or the All-Ireland Final or the World Cup Final etc etc and they ran it over two nights behind closed doors and I don't know if you've ever watched a wrestling match in your life but about 90% of what makes it entertaining is the reaction from the audience and the chants and the songs and even though like it's predetermined so there's not really as competitive an aspect as there is to to real sport but the, the audience still plays a massive role and it was an absolute damn squib like you know it couldn't have been any less enjoyable and that's the world of wrestling so for something like the All-Ireland Championship to come back in an empty Crow Park or an empty Park Cueve or an empty Semple Stadium in Turles it would almost be like the Cork footballers playing Tipperary in Semple Stadium in a National League game or something to that effect that's probably a good analogy to draw because when those games go on in big stadiums and there's no one there it's almost hard to watch so if you were to put our best players behind closed doors I would watch everyone would watch but I agree with you I'd rather see them prioritise the club game get everyone out playing hurling and football as quick as they can to whatever degree that may be but putting big championship games behind closed doors just to keep television companies and major sponsors happy just seems to me like uh, it would be a tone deaf move at this stage but look as you said 
it's an ever-changing situation. This time next week, we could be getting ready to preview the first round of the Monster Football Championship, for all we know. Highly unlikely, but nonetheless, it's just ever-changing. No one really knows anything from one day to the, to the next. But we might just leave that there, Kieran, because I know you had a very interesting conversation with this week's guest, and that's Skibbereen man Gordon Crowley, who, as I mentioned earlier, has been involved from the stats side with various Galway inter-county teams over the past over the past decade and stats has obviously become a bigger part year on year in the GAA over the past decade 20 years even so it'll be interesting to hear what he had to say you might just give us a bit of background on Gordon's role with the various Galway teams before we hear from him yeah we've followed Gordon's progress with um, with, with, with Galway teams for the for the last couple of years uh, Gordon is, is a skater and he's he's living up um, in, in Galway now and he's been involved with Galway minor hurling teams that have won all Ireland's under 21 teams and the senior team under Anthony Cunningham that got to the 2012 all Ireland final so um, Gordon is a very experienced kind of performance analysis and stats man and he knows I suppose the benefits of stats better than most so um, then I certainly had a chat with Gordon in a, in a recent Southern Star edition so I just kind of I really enjoyed the piece that Dennis wrote so I wanted to talk to Gordon as well just about that and just about the growing role of stats in the GA and just to get his thoughts on the likes of how important is possession the stat you kind of we see if you're watching a soccer match or a rugby game and at halftime and full time you always see the, the graphics kind of shoot up about possession stats shots on target so on and just to see what stats really do count what stats don't matter at all and to find out Gordon's favourite stat and different indicators in a game that can um, that can help a manager kind of make a change kind of plot changes and so on so um very interesting man, Gordon, and it's a very in- interesting chat. So um, I think it'll enlighten us all, Jack, as to how important stats are in the game now. Before we talk stats and performance analysis, Gordon, tell me how a skippery man ended up working with the Galway hurlers via Lee Mello. So fill me in on this was that that move from skippery to Galway. Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess I, I went to college in, in UL and... Uh, after that, I spent two years actually um, in in Arklow and Wicklow. Um, played a little bit of hurling there, and after a job up in uh, in Galway. So uh, when I came up to Galway, joined the uh, Lee Mellows Hurling Club, a senior club here in the city, and uh, got involved with them initially playing and was kind of uh, lucky enough to uh, I was uh, probably an average hurler at best and lucky enough to play senior for a few years with them, and uh, then you know helping out. The senior teams, junior teams, a selector, and uh, kind of when a young family came along, I kind of you know I still wanted to be involved, still wanted to do something, still wanted to contribute, and uh, wasn't going to be able to commit to being a training every night. So, kind of in around 2010 or 11, started saying, okay, maybe I can do something on the analysis side to, to kind of help to support the seniors and uh, the Lee Mellow seniors, <coughs> and um, helped out. Um, I guess Brian and. Galway minor manager and former Westmead manager at the time and uh, did that for a year or two with Brian and Brian was involved with the Galway under 21s uh, so kind of stepped into that role with Brian and uh, Anthony Cunningham was over the under 21s at the time uh, won in All-Ireland in 2011 and then when Anthony Cunningham became senior manager uh, joined Anthony's backroom for a few years and then uh, Jeff Linsky from Lee Mellows uh, became minor manager in 2015 
again part of his backroom then kind of doing the performance analysis side of things and you know part of a, a successful uh, minor setup there for the last number of years so had you always an interest in the kind of statistical analysis so Gordon like I know you said you were playing away and the family came along and you wanted to stay involved but was it a part of the game or a facet of the game that you always had a keen interest in I, I, yeah it is and I probably didn't realise it afterwards I, I suppose I you know, I'm kind of, I suppose, a scientific background. So kind of numbers and data would kind of appeal to me anyway. And uh, uh, my dad saying one time when he was younger, he said, uh, um, saying to me, like he said, hey, Jeannie, I, I can't the analysis, you know, for people, it's all about the game. And for other people, it's all about the analysis. And I was in the in the former category where a lot of the enjoyment is actually in, in the analysis of it afterwards. Because you've been involved with Galway teams over the best part of a decade, have you seen kind of, I suppose, the role and importance of of a performance analysis and stats kind of transform massively in those ten years from where it was when you started to where it is now? No, I mean, I, I suppose there's a, a better understanding uh, of the process and how it goes, uh, video or or data to it being contextualized it being interpreted correctly and you know allowing coaches to make valuable interventions you know I think that that that's certainly grown uh, and along with the tools that are at coaches disposal in terms of the um, and performance analysts disposal in terms of the software that, that's used um, you know back 2010 2011 you were driving to lads houses on a Sunday night or a Monday night to get DVDs or you're getting DVDs in the post from from RT and now they're you know they're available online to be downloaded straight away. Uh, you know you you were <clears throat> the only way you could share content previously with the players was kind of a you know a projector against the dressing room wall. Well now you know players have apps and they get you know uh, uh, specialized content shared with them. You know the day after the match where they can look at individual clips. They can look at instances of the game such as scores, tackles, puckouts, etc. Uh, that's customised to them, and you know, coaches can provide feedback on those platforms to them, um, etc. So uh, the the ability to analyse and share uh, information has transformed uh, massively. Along with, I suppose, you know, it, it, it's it's a relatively new area in in a, in in a degree because you know it's only ten years old. So how the data is being used, um, I think, has become a lot more insightful as well. And you find that the players nowadays they're very receptive to kind of this this part of the game. That they're actually coming to you looking for the stats, looking for the analysis to kind of to break down how they got on on in the game. I suppose compared to ten years ago when it was it was all new, but nowadays I presume the players want that data, want that info off you. Oh, they do, and, and you know, listen, especially when you're dealing with kind of players at the elite level, that you know they're very they're very hungry for data. Uh, they're very hungry for feedback, uh, and they see it as a you know essential part of of, of the kind of learning process for them, and, and especially video content. You know, numbers, uh, you know, help to a degree, but you know people are visual learners, and you know if if they can if they can see it happening in front of them, um, you know, the, and you're working with kind of a almost a YouTube generation as well. They're they're used to looking at things. They're used to little clips and. Uh, you know, they, 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 you know, when, when they can see it, uh, it, it helps the coaching feedback. You know, so much, it's, it's such an easier conversation when you're showing somebody a video and you're saying, you know, here, have a look at this. 
you know, why did you think you gave away this free? And a lot of the times the players will actually um, seen certain. I've just seen since even since 2015 is that year on year the younger players coming through are more comfortable with the technology uh, and they're more comfortable with using it. Uh, and you have situations where over the last year or two where the players themselves are actually generating their own highlights clips. So we'll be giving them matches. They'll be pulling clips from them throughout the year. And then the management team will be encouraging them, okay, the night before the game, go back and look at all your positive clips. So you're filling their heads with, you know, positive mental images before the game, uh, which is really important. And they do that very, very easily. When it comes to stats, and this is me from someone from the outside kind of looking in, is there such a thing as a good stat and such a thing as a bad stat and in terms of, let's say, possession? Like kind of, you did an interview with Dennis Hurley in, a, in last week's Southern Star and I was very interested when it came to possession because you said that's a low-value kind, of, um, kind of stat, for want of a better word. Kind of, are there good stats and bad stats, Gordon? Yeah, yeah, yes, I think. I, I think the first thing you said, you know, there's a great saying that, you know, not everything that counts can be counted and not everything that, that can be counted counts. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have to demonstrate a degree of uh, um, of, of, of uh, insight and kind of experience when you're kind of looking at the numbers. Um, and they're, you're, you're looking at things that kind of make a, a major impact uh, on the game or on the performance. So you're trying to kind of weed out the signals from the noise, you know, there's there's lots of noise there in terms of um, uh, things that don't add any value, but you're looking for a signal, so something that's substantive, something that's useful. So, you know, if you're looking at hurling over the last few years, uh, you know, look uh, elements of the game, which is the puck, uh, turnovers, uh, shooting efficiency. Uh, so they're going to tell you an awful lot about kind of how you're playing the game. While possessions, you know, and, and the example is using those hurlers have fantastic possession rates. Uh, they don't necessarily dictate whether you'll you'll win the game or not. Uh, fundamentally, hurling is a kind of, a, it's an invasion game that's based on turnovers. So who wins the turnovers? Who wins most turnovers? Will usually, and that will be dictated in by your work rate. So it's puck out, turnovers, and work rate and shooting efficiency are the ones that you kind of look at straight away. And I was very interested too when you said that the, the turnover is becoming the new playmaker in hurling, which is I I'd never heard that before. But it's it's very true, and it ties in what you were saying there. Kind of the team that wins the most turnovers, they more likely will win the game. Um, yeah, look at the likes of, of, of any of the teams over the last number of years that have won the All Ireland. You know the things that distinguish them is, is predominantly their 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 work rate. Um, and you know if you get situations where the forwards are working harder than the backs, uh, those teams usually win. So you'd be looking at your forwards making almost fifty percent of your tackles, your midfielders maybe making ten, and, and your backs making forty percent. But uh, you know people have looked at over the last number of years the sources of scores. So when you talk about the turnovers. Yeah, at senior inter county level, uh, about sixty percent of the scores will originate from a turn. About thirty percent will originate from your own puck out, and about ten percent from the opposition puck out. So then it makes sense that when you're coaching the game and when you're uh, setting up your team, that you're 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 coaching the coaching the tackle, you're coaching the turnover. Um, 
You know, there, there was a study uh, a couple of, couple of years ago, um, uh, Damien Young and uh, uh, Collins uh, did a, uh, published a study on, on, on kind of the playing dynamics of um, elite hurling and it 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 it, it showed that the, the the ball is play for an average of, of 28 seconds and there's rarely there's a phase of play more than 40 46 seconds and there's a shot every kind of at most every two minutes so it kind of shows that you know the the the, the game is of hurling is short phases of intermittent intense play that's defined by turnovers uh, and when you start thinking about the game and that you know, in that context, from a coach's point of view, then they're looking at, okay, h- how do we set up to generate turnovers? How do we coach players? How do we set, set ourselves up that we're making the most out of them when we do turn over the ball? Because when you do turn over the ball, the, you know, the defence is stabilised, etc. So, you know, all of those things are feeding into that, you know, that turnover, that work rate uh, um, uh, emphasis. What's your favourite stat? So, what stat do you always like to hone in on? Like, have you a favourite stat? Kind of something that, like, a key indicator for you that tells if a team or a player is going well. Uh, yeah, work rate and turnover. It is, you know, it, it it defines your attitude. You know, you 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 could be there, you could be David David match, and if you're collecting it in 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 game, and you'd know ten minutes in, okay, the attitude is good today. You know, if if you, if you're if you're there and you're going tick 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 tick, uh, and you're recording turnovers, um, uh, and ta- and work rate and tackles, then then you know, uh, you know the team is going to uh, put in a performance, uh, and then after that, it's probably I think shooting efficiency is because shooting efficiency goes straight to the bottom line. You know, it, it kind of goes it goes on the scoreboard, so. You know, you're looking at teams who have probably, uh, uh, you know, maybe an inter-county level of like a 60% shooting efficiency. At global level, they'll have about a 50, 55%, which is, which is phenomenal when you think of it. You know, if you think of a club level, one in every two shots doesn't go over the bar. You know, at inter-county level, it's, it's, it's 60%. Uh, Seamus Callan last year for tip, his shooting efficiency was 70%. You know, that was really, really high. You know, he, he also got 16 goals uh, as part of that. So that's, you know, that shows his value in terms of it. Like, you know, you give him 10 balls and he's, got, he's going to hit the target seven times. Um, uh, and, and then it's, you know, feeding into that. It's, you know, who's shooting, where they're shooting from, how much time have they, etc. But, uh, yeah, so work rate and turnover, I'd say number one, then shooting efficiency. And then, you know, uh, puck outs, um, and 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 how they're being managed will probably be after that for me. When it comes to kind of a, a game, so kind of when the game is live and you're there at the stadium, how much of an input do you have on the game then in terms of your communication with the management team? Uh, I suppose uh, with the minors over the last number of years, we we I suppose we we had a we had our protocol for kind of feedback, and you know every team would be different in this regard, but. We would have we would have broken the game down at ten minute rounds, and we would have given an update every ten minutes on kind of key performance indicators for us, um, unless there was something exceptionally gone out of line, and then we'd report that, and then you know there'd be a debrief at half time, uh, and again you go into the same protocol in in, in the second half. So um, generally you'd be feeding back every ten minutes, uh, and 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 you know the the sideline is kind of expecting that. Um, and then you'd have an agreement that you know you'd be re- you'd be reporting on kind of you know major events. So you know, a player has given away a third free or something like that. 
you know that that'd be an exceptional event that you kind of go you, you flag that immediately then so uh um yeah so the, yeah there'd be a good good bit of conversation in that regard during the match but uh, again i presume compared to 10 years ago when you started first to now it's probably changed a lot more kind of your 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 input into the into a live game kind of our managers more dependent now are they more looking for the up-to-date analysis what happened in the last 10 minutes uh, I, I, they aren't, they aren't. I think a lot of the really good managers, what you'll see is they're very tuned into the game. You know, they're really, they live every ball. It's like they're, they're plugged into the, 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 the flow of the game. They feel everything. Um, and, and so there, there's a lot of it that, that they, you know, there's a lot of it that they see already and they feel. Uh, so really what you're kind of doing, I think sometimes is, is you're providing uh, a safety blanket number one or an insurance policy that if there's something that they've missed uh, you may speed up their decision so there might be something that they're thinking you know what we're not quite rightly set up on the puck out or you know our midfield isn't into the game and they may not make action on it or take action on it for another five to ten minutes but you're kind of you're accelerating that decision and then sometimes you're you might be protecting them in terms of you know their you know coaches have biases just like everyone else you know they might have some player that they're not quite sure of and then he makes a mistake and or they might think of somebody that is lazy. Um but but again managers that you know and you have a good relationship with and there's a high level of trust you can actually intervene and say, look, I know he's not in the game. I'm sorry, I know he made a mistake, but he's actually doing okay. Leave him alone. You know, so um you know and a lot of them will yeah, a lot of them is kind of speeding up speeding up their decision I think you know um, like just touching on something you said already kind of when it came to the car curlers in terms of they're up there with their possession most games but that hasn't transferred obviously into success that's that is really interesting because when it comes to possession even if you're thinking different sports kind of when you have the ball you think the team that has the ball more should win but it just yeah. doesn't work like that in hurling and like is hurling different to the other sports in that sense you think Gardner uh, no, I, I, I think you, you, you'll, you'll see a lot of, you'll see a lot, of, and I'm not a big soccer fan or anything like that, but you'll see a lot of soccer games where, uh, you know, teams will dominate possession, different dynamics in the game, obviously, uh, and not win. Uh, you can see Gaelic football games where, you know, teams kind of, they might be 50-50 in possession, but again, it comes back down to, I mean, you look at Dublin footballers and how efficient they are with the ball. Um, you know, that there's a lot of those games where, Teams will create equal number of scoring chances, and it'll be the one who, who, who will actually be uh, more efficient, get the ball into better scoring areas, will actually win. So, um, yeah, possession is is not a good indicator. Um, it, it gives a certain amount of information at a, maybe a player level because it it um it can tell you whether a player is in the game or not. Like in the example I used with Dennis, which was the kind of classic example, was from from uh, two thousand eleven where. Um, and Larry Corbett kind of had, had about eight possessions and got one three, uh, and was playing Peter Kelly who had sixteen possessions, uh, and they were marking each other. And you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Peter Kelly would be probably on a normal day would be coming off thinking, you know, I had a really good game, I hit a lot of ball, but you know, his man got the ball eight times, got one three, and you know, that, that's the winning of the game. You know. Final question, Gordon. As someone like so involved in stats analysis and performance performance analysis. Can you actually enjoy a game? Can you sit back when you're at a game and 
even when you're not working for the game and actually enjoy the game? Or is your is your brain always computing kind of the stats and figures and do you know what I'm trying to say? Can you can you enjoy a match as a fan? A, a game that you're analysing, no. I mean, mm-hmm. there's people talking about the game afterwards and you're going, no, I, I really don't. I don't have an appreciation of it uh, other than the kind of metrics that you're um, measuring. Uh, so, yeah, games that, that, that you'd be kind of on duty for, no, you, you don't enjoy them. And funnily enough, the, the enjoyable bit is the Monday night afterwards after you've analysed and you've pulled the clips and you might have pulled together a bit of a report and you're going, oh, yeah, right. Understands what's you know that, that all makes sense now, uh, but at a normal game, funnily enough, it's actually can be really liberating because you're not having to think like I mean you'd still mark the the scoring and the wides on the on the program and maybe the freeze and stuff like that like but um, you know that's only light stuff but uh, it it feels like yeah much more liberating and you can just sit back and enjoy enjoy the flow of the game. You never know in a couple of years you might come back down and help out the skip hurlers and the. In the the, the junior B for junior B hurling championship, you might be the, the the kind of missing ingredient to get him over the line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I keep uh, calling my brother. Knows uh, well involved with him now this uh, last few years, so uh, I guess uh, frequent frequent updates from the Murray's. Oh, good stuff. Come here, Gordon. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate your time. No, keep safe, Karen. Good talk. Good stuff. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to all things sport in West Cork. Don't forget to pick up this Thursday Southern Star newspaper, including our award-winning sports section with everything a West Cork sports fan could want. In shops across West Cork and online from anywhere in the world via www.southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper. The Southern Star and the Star Sport Podcast, number one for sport in West Cork. Welcome back to the Star Sport Podcast. And before we wrap up, This week's episode, we're going to take a quick look at what's coming up in this week's Southern Star, which will be available in shops across West Cork from Thursday morning. So, Kieran, what have you got lined up for us this week? Plenty of good reading again this week, Jack. Um, We have a two-page interview with Keen O'Neill, the Cork football coach. Um, I had a chat with him recently about his his move to the his move and his reasons for joining the Cork senior football team and. Keenan Neal is a very experienced coach. He's been involved with Mayo, Kerry, the Tip Hurlers, um, Limerick. He was manager of his native Kildare for four years and he came aboard with the Cork Senior Footballers this year as a football coach and chatting to some of the Cork footballers, they're really, really impressed with, with Keenan O'Neill. They really like how his training sessions go, how he works, how he operates. So, um, like I said, I did chat with Keen. Just to get his thoughts on, on Cork football, where he can see this team going, um, and asked him too, why? Why did you want to join this Cork football team? And it and it turns out that he turned down the opportunity first, Jack, um, when Ron McCarthy approached Keane O'Neill last summer um, to come on board. Keane said no first. Um, he decided to take a bit of time out. He wanted to refocus and recalibrate after four 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 years with Kildare. Um, Ronald McCarthy was pretty persuasive, came back in again, got his men, and it's it's working out well for for both Keane O'Neill, Ronan and Ronan McCarthy. Um the Cork footballers are after five wins in a row and top to division three of the league before all GA's activity was suspended. So and we had seen kind of a lot of kind of shoots of encouragement during the league campaign that Cork were on an upward trajectory, trajectory, that's a mouthful, um 
albeit it was Division 3 football. So um, it's a good interview with Keen O'Neill and for anyone with an interest in Cork GA or just coaching in general, I think they'll, they'll learn a bit from this um, also. Oric Fawn in his back this week, Jack, with another recipe. She's my a stable in the in the Southern Star Sport Diet these last couple of weeks. Um, this week, it's oat pancakes. And again, delicious looking. Um, this is a breakfast brunch option. And um, she's putting together quite a collection at this stage from from her healthy banana bread to her chicken and chickpea curry to the to the oat pancakes this week to last week's rhubarb um, uh, tart. So, um, yeah, great stuff again by Orla. Um, also, our classic games this week focuses on the 2005 All-Ireland Ladies Senior Football Final. Um, I've spoken to Rena Buckley about that game. That was the Cork Ladies' first All-Ireland Senior Football Final win. And it was a win that sparked a decade of dominance for the Cork Ladies football team. So um, it was great to catch up with Rena and just kind of get her memories from that 2005 win against Galway. And um, before they ran out on the Croke Park that day, their first time playing in Croke Park, the team got together, Jack, and they said a prayer. Um, kind of, it was a, a spur of the moment prayer, is what Rena described it like. It was our father, um, and she said for no other reason it wasn't kind of predetermined or orchestrated. It just felt like the right thing to do at the time before the game. They said a prayer, they went out, they won the game, and and the rest is history. Um, We've had a good interview with Jamie Wall in, in this week's Southern Star. Jamie has taken over as the Kilbritton Intermediate Hurling Team Manager. His first year as uh, um, in charge of his home club and he was dedicating everything towards that. It was his sole focus of the year and obviously everything is kind of up in the air at the moment. But it's another good interview with Jamie Wall. He's always a very kind of interesting character to listen to and make so much sense. So um, that's worth reading this week. Also, Jer McCarthy spoke to Cork Camogie player Saoirse McCarthy from Corsi Rovers. And to keep herself busy um, during the lack of GA action at the moment, Saoirse has painted her back wall in, at home in Banningspittle with a series of colours and graphics and so on. We have a picture of the wall and it's pretty class to be quite honest with you. Um, so uh, Saoirse's artistic talents are coming to the fore. But also caught up with Phil Healy, Jack, because... Since we spoke to her last, the World Athletics have outlined the qualification process for next year's Olympic Games. So it's actually working out in Phil's favour, the new um, criteria that they've put in place. And we've all that in this week's Southern Star. And there's plenty more besides that, as well as another update on Pitch Perfect, Jack, which is going strong. It's um, it's my sporting highlight of the year so far. And, and the way it's going, it might be my sporting highlight of the entire year and um, the the polls are ongoing at the moment. We are in the the last sixteen stage, and there's been some absolute epic games. And um, just to kind of refresh people's memories, this is our search to find West Cork's best GA pitch slash playing surface. And thirty two clubs started out, twenty six from Carberry and six from Beira, and we're now well into the last sixteen. Um, it kicked off last Saturday with a last sixteen tie between Castlehaven. And Carberry Rangers, and it just so happened, Jack, that Castlehaven and Carberry Rangers should have played last Sunday in Skibbereen in the first round of the new County Premier Senior Football Championship. Um, but obviously, like I said, all G activities um, is suspended at the moment. So the look at the draw had the two clubs meet in a last 16 tie in pitch perfect, and sparks flew. There was nearly 2,400 votes, which is incredible. Um, I've heard of campaigns in both clubs to 
to persuade other people to, to vote for them and it actually swung back and forth throughout the day and at one point on Saturday evening Castlehaven led 58-42 in terms of percentages in the poll or 59-41 and it looked like Ross were out for the count then all of a sudden the polls go on till 2am in the morning the Ross comeback came it was like a final quarter surge it was goal after goal after goal and they eventually pipped him by a couple of percent and that, it was incredible it was really really entertaining and um, since then, Randalogue got the better of Skibbereen in extra time. Um, we had Clannacilty and St Mary's have progressed to the quarterfinals, and the polls are ongoing at the moment as well. So, in the absence of live kind of on-field activity, Pitch Perfect is definitely keeping me entertained. And at the moment, over ten thousand five hundred votes have been cast in in the two weeks to date, which is incredible. So, big thanks to all the people who voted and all the clubs who are taking part and lending their support to a novel idea that's keeping us all entertained. Absolutely, Kieran. And as we mentioned earlier, that's going to be in shops across West Cork and far beyond from Thursday morning. And if you can't make it to the shops for whatever reason, we can deliver a copy of the Southern Star to your door via a postal subscription in order to avail of such a subscription. All you have to do is call... 0282120 and we'll organise as I said for the Southern Star to be delivered to your front door or if you want it delivered to your email inbox and you want to avail of a digital subscription just log on to southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper and you can read the Southern Star on your computer tablet or smartphone for less than two euro per week and the digital edition is served up in exceptional quality so you won't miss out any of the resolution from the photographs or anything like that it's a great product so as i said if you can't make it to the shops pick up a postal or digital subscription and kieran before we wrap up i just wanted to touch on something you were saying there the absence of live sport how have you been getting your exercise in over the last number of weeks obviously we're being encouraged not to do too much running or walking more than two kilometres from our own homes. But what has sparked within you in order to, to keep fit and keep the head straight during this unusual time? If you're looking for silver linings and all of this, Jack, I suppose we are home a lot more now. We're getting to spend more time with, with our loved ones. And um, kind of I've always been kind of up and down between West Cork and home. And so I'm, I'm home now a lot more at the moment. And... We're getting to go for walks kind of every night at nine o'clock on, on, on the, the buzzer, go for like a, a 4K walk, which is a, we have a nice route, kind of 2K one way and then obviously 2K back. So the kind of daily walk is actually great for the head because you just need a bit of exercise um, because you need to keep the brain engaged and you, you just need to kind of keep fit and active and at the time. So we do our, 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 our daily walk and then we go home and we binge on Tiger King so it's kind of it's good. one thing is good for the mind the other thing then is just bad for the brain you know but um, but yeah it's just trying to keep active get, getting walks in and so on um, so yeah kind of you yourself you've built a, a home gym I, I, I hear Jack you want to fill us in on that? Well, I, I've, I, I've been keeping very busy with my uh, my extracurricular activities we converted a garage into a home gym we've got a boxing bag free weights kettlebells that we borrowed from a local gym that's obviously unfortunately shut during the current lockdown but I also built 
a bar this week for the garden. We've called it the COVID bar, made out of pallets. So uh, that's kind of keeping us entertained. I also got a skateboard delivered in the post. And I always, I used to have a skateboard when I was younger, but I was never able to do any tricks. And I always said one day I would learn how to do an ollie. Do you know, it's the most, it's the first trick you learn if you're skateboarding properly, but it's when you get all four wheels off the ground while keeping your feet on the board. I'm sure you're, I'm sure you've seen it maybe in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, or any of those PlayStation and Xbox games. But on Good Friday, I said to myself, I'm going to learn how to ollie on a skateboard. And I stayed outside in the front garden of my girlfriend's house and I ollied, or I tried to ollie for the bones of five or six hours. And I managed, I managed to land I managed to land an ollie. It felt like the the holy grail of skateboarding. Now the world is my oyster. I can do anything because all other tricks come from the basic ollie. So so that's how I've been keeping myself sane. Learning new skills, building bars and perfecting the ollie. Given the lack of live sport at the moment, that could actually make front page in the next couple of weeks. So if you can get a good picture for me, um, I'll definitely keep it in mind that because live sport is very thin in the ground and a video or a picture of you ollieing on your skateboard at home is it's it's worth his weight in gold at this stage so keep that in mind yeah absolutely I'll I'll keep I'll try to get it a bit better a bit cleaner get a bit more elevation just so the picture really looks chef's kiss anyway thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast this week we'll be back on Friday with the next edition of our classic game series as Kieran mentioned it's the 2005 All-Ireland ladies football final if you enjoy these shows make sure to rate review and subscribe on itunes spotify youtube acast stitcher or wherever else you listen to the show